reading through John. The Elder, to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, just as you are progressing spiritually. It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. Please send them on their way in a manner that honours God. It was for the sake of the name that they went out, receiving no help from the pagans. We ought therefore to show hospitality to such people, so that we may work together for the truth. I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to be first, will not welcome us. So when I come, I will call attention to what he is doing, spreading malicious nonsense about us. Not satisfied with that, he even refuses to welcome other believers. He also stops those who want to do so and puts them out of the church. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil or what is good. Anyone who does what is good is from God. Anyone who does what is evil has not seen God. Demetrius is well spoken of by everyone even by the truth itself. We also speak well of him, and you know that our testimony is true. I have much to write to you, but I do not want to do so with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace to you. The friends here send their greetings. Greet the friends there by name. Good morning all, uh, my name is Andres and we will continue today with our love letter series we started a couple of weeks ago. And today we will have a look at three John together, so please keep the passage open, but before we start, uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for speaking to us. Thank you that you want to make us like Jesus. And we pray you give us heart that long to hear your voice and be shaped into his likeness. In Jesus' name, Amen. I'd like to start with a question. What brings you joy in life? What makes your heart sing? And think about it for one moment. Perhaps it's holidays, uh, perhaps it's success in your studies or a relationship. Perhaps you are thinking about the joy you would have if something happened in your life that you really desire. Perhaps you are too worn down at the moment to feel any kind of joy. When we talk or think about joy, we tend, we tend to picture what we do or do not have that would give us that joy. In today's passage, we'll see how John, the writer of this letter, finds joy in another place in time. Despite everything that was happening around them, being a threat to that joy. We live in a world, a culture, a society 
in which Christians are continually under pressure. A pressure from outside and also sometimes pressure from inside the church by people that call themselves Christians. Pressure to turn away from the gospel or to turn it down a bit. A pressure to find, so to find joy elsewhere. John knew all about this kind of pressure. And over the last two Sundays, we looked at two John, a letter he sends to a group of believers, encouraging them to remain faithful to the truth in the midst of great opposition from outside. There was a group, a group of people, false teachers, coming to the church and bringing false teachings. They denied that Jesus came in the flesh, that he is the Messiah, the Son of God, the Christ. And in this way, they were denying God's salvation and grace. The church community in John also faces opposition, but this time it seems to be from inside the church. There is a leader called Diotrephes, who loves to be first, according to John, and he is against the truth. He uh, is against those who preach the truth, and also refuses to welcome them. John this time writes, writes to his dear friend Gaius to encourage him to remain faithful to the truth and to keep his welcoming heart going, which in summary means to do exactly the opposite as Diotrephes was doing. We find then opposition from two fronts, outside and inside. Both seek to convince the church to convince us that joy can't be found in, the, in walking the truth, but rather by believing in a comfortable, inoffensive version of the gospel, one that suits what this world wants to hear, and also that joy is found by putting yourself first. But what I love about John, based on these two letters, uh, is that unlike me, instead of getting discouraged, about these attacks from outside by these false prophets and false teachings, and from inside by people like Theotrophies, and what these attacks cause in the church communities, he finds an incomparable joy that keeps him going and that he shares with us so that today we can experience that joy too. To John 4 says, It has given me great joy to find some of your children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded us. In today's passage, verses 3 and 4 say, It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking the truth. The question now is, how can all of us have this, this great joy that John is describing here, when the pressure from all fronts is so great and seems to never cease? As we read these verses, we notice that the joy John describes doesn't come from him personally, walking in the truth, or being faithful to the gospel, but instead comes from his friend Caius, and others, all the brothers and sisters in John doing that. From them, persevering in walking the truth despite opposition. From the gospel shaping their lives. 
In the same way, this passage shows us the joy we can give to Christians that look after us, that care about us. The joy we can give to one another. It doesn't matter how insignificant you think you are, or how sometimes you think that you can't bring anything to our church community. We can all give joy to each other by walking in the truth. And we give joy as we, and this is our first point, walk in the truth faithfully. Over the last two Sundays, Tim and Tom helped us to understand what John means when he says the truth. It's what he worked very hard to declare, and it's found in his first letter, 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, where he says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it, and testified to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father, and has appeared to us. The truth John proclaimed is that Jesus came from the Father, lived on earth, and loved his people to the point of dying in their place. He lived the life we should live, and died the death we should die. He was crucified and resurrected on the third day. Then he ascended into heaven and will return to church and rule. It's this truth John calls Christians and churches to walk in. And walking in this truth means allowing it to shape our decisions, building our lives around it. It means imitating Jesus' love for us in our relationship with one another. It means walking in love as Jesus commands. It means to proclaim this truth to others. And this may sound pretty hard to do, but we are about to see how, how it is that we can walk in this way. John, John heard that Gaius was walking the truth, and that gave him great joy. John cared for Gaius so much that there was no greater thing for him than to know Gaius was persevering in walking the truth. Perhaps this makes you think about the people that look after you spiritually, your spiritual parents. Perhaps the elders or the leaders of the church. Do you want to give joy to the leaders of the church? To the leaders of our church? They don't need no praise, no recognition. There is no greater joy for them than you walk in the truth and persevere. There is no greater joy for them and seeing you trust in the Lord, despite struggling in life. And this is not only applicable to the leaders of the church, but also to all Christians who care about other Christians. Do you want to bring joy to their hearts? Keep going, trust in the Lord. And from verses 2 to 4, John gives us an insight as to why Gaius is still walking the truth, and therefore how we can keep going the truth. And it's because of prayers. Verse 2 says, Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. John had heard from other believers about how Gaius was walking in the truth, how well he was doing spiritually. And I love how the first thing he says to him is, Dear friend, I pray. 
In another version, we read, Beloved, I pray. You are doing very well. You are walking the truth. And I pray. He seems to be saying, carry on. Keep going. I have your back. I'll support you with my prayers. And this shows, shows the importance of prayer for each other as we walk in the truth. Why are we here today? Why are we still trusting in the Lord? And we are here, and we are still walking in the truth because of one that has been there for us. Can you think about it one minute and consider who it may be, who your John is? I'm personally grateful for the army of all the ladies that pray for me, back in Argentina, and also for the leaders of this church that I know continually pray for each of us. We may or may not know who is praying for us, but let's be thankful for the joints in our lives. And let's be so necessary. Gaius was walking in the truth because of the prayers of friends of John, but also because of his perseverance. Verse 3 says, It gave me great joy when some believers came and testified about your faithfulness to the truth, telling how you continue to walk in it. Faithfulness to the truth doesn't mean perfection. For Gaius, it meant to keep doing what John in verse 11 calls to do what is good. To keep treating the believers in a manner that honored God, despite the opposition of Diotrephus. It meant to keep trusting the Lord despite opposition. Being faithful to the truth doesn't mean to be the perfect strong Christian, but to keep going back to the Lord for forgiveness and grace when we see, knowing that Jesus has already been punished for our wrongdoing. It means always coming back to Jesus the Christ, the truth, when we hear and sometimes believe so many untruths about him around us. Gaius's perseverance in his faithfulness to the truth was a real encouragement for the believers around him, in such a way that this is what they testified about in John. When we, as Christians, persevere in walking in the truth, it brings joy and encouragement to those who see us. Have you ever taken a minute or two to have a look around you on Sundays and see your brothers and sisters' faces? Have you ever taken time to reflect on all the struggles they go through in life that you may know or you may not know about? But they are still here persevering in seeking the Lord in trusting Him, in serving Him and others Sunday after Sunday. Doesn't that bring joy to your heart when you see them here, still going? This ends our first point. We can give joy to one another by walking in the truth. And now our second point is, we can give joy by walking in the truth with welcoming the harvest. Look at verses 5 and 6 where John is giving more good news about his friend Gaius. More good news that brings him joy. Dear friend, you are faithful in what you are doing for the brothers and sisters, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church about your love. We are not told the reason why, but as the false teachers had gone out spreading lies in Chuchon, there was also a group of Christians in Chuchon that went out spreading the gospel. And they came to Guy's church. This group of missionaries left their homes, their cities, 
and didn't receive any kind of help from their children. And they did it because of the sake of the Lord's name, John says. They wanted to spread the truth so that others might walk in it. What is sad is that they were not welcomed by the Lotrifis, the leader of this church, but they were received by Gaius. We can see Gaius's welcoming heart as he receives these missionaries. And this is not only shown by him giving these people a friendly smile and greeting when they arrived. Verse 6 says, these missionaries told the church how loved they were by Gaius, how loved they were. Gaius's love was expressed by literally putting them first. Exactly the opposite to Diotrephes, who actually wanted to put himself first. And throughout the church, everyone who welcomed these believers. It may have been easier for Gaius to go with the flow, to focus on the brothers and sisters he already knew. But at his own risk, he decides to open his heart and his home to missionaries. This helps us see that it's always costly to love others. In our case, we are not at risk of being thrown out of church for doing this. Actually, we are continually encouraged by our leaders to be lovingly hospitable, as this is one of our core values as a church. The cost for us might be different. The cost for us might be to have a cause in our conversations with the friends I usually talk to before and after the service, and go and talk to the new. It may be uh, probably something even better to go and get them and get this new person and introduce them to my friends. It may be sitting next to someone that is not from your cultural background and doesn't speak your, your language very well and make an effort to communicate and show love and interest. Even when this could mean to be in a very awkward situation. It may mean every now and then not to have a relaxing night in and instead to invite someone new at church within. It may even mean to spend your own money to provide something they need. Gaius showed love to people who were strangers to him. People that had never seen before and he may or may not have ever seen again. And why? Why did he do that? Because walking the truth is not about accumulating knowledge about Jesus, enjoying his teachings, reading all the accounts of his life. It's not about coming on Sundays and enjoying the teaching, the singing, the socializing, all the blessings and keep them all for ourselves. It's about imitating Jesus' sacrificial love for us in our relationship with one another. And this includes people that are strangers to us. A welcoming heart is the heart that loves, even when it's, it's very costly. A heart that puts others first about its own interests and comfort. A heart that is hospitable to strangers, sharing what you have, whether this be a lot or a little, material goods or not. A heart that doesn't show favoritism but seeks to welcome all people. This is how Gaius' heart was and what caused so much joy to John. I'm personally thankful to the leaders of the church, all of them, who have been encouraging us to be hospitable. 
Not only because it gives joy to their hearts and therefore our hearts too, but because it's a way to keep spreading the truth about the gospel of our Lord. <coughs> so now you may be wondering, who exactly is it that I should be hospitable to? We don't seem to receive many missionaries in some Who are these strangers I should love? Sunday after Sunday, there are people coming, new people coming. They may not be missionaries officially, but they may leave this place and share with others how welcomed and how loved they've been by our church family. They may share the truth of the gospel as they speak about this with others. Or they may not. Or they may go out with a different message about our church. Also, if you have been coming to Christchurch for any length of time, you may have noticed that the faces change a lot here as people come and go. Mainly because they finish their studies, uh, or find a new job and then move away, or people that have also been sent away to open or support other churches. And while this may cause great, great sadness to us, what if, what if we thought about them as brothers and sisters that we receive we love with a welcoming heart and then we can send on their way in a manner that honors the Lord. This would bring great joy to them and us, even if it's sad to see them living. A few weeks ago we watched a video of a former member of our church who moved to another city for different reasons. She told us in the video how welcome, uh, loved and encouraged she had been by the church when she was here. But also her husband, who uh, only has visited here once, I think, he wanted to participate in the video and he wanted to tell us how encouraged he has been as he hears his wife telling him, telling about how blessed she was here by our church. They are examples of the impact which welcoming hearts can have in our brothers and sisters' lives. An impact not only in their lives but in the lives of our leaders and the rest of us as we experience the joy that this brings. Most of us here are going through different situations in life. Some of us can open our homes to strangers and welcome them and be hospitable to them. Some of us come to that for different reasons. But being hospitable is more than opening our homes, it's opening our hearts and sharing our lives with others. The wonderful thing about the Church of Christ is that we all have something to bring to our church community, no matter our situation in life. Because we bring what we receive from Jesus. And let's finish by looking at him. He is the ultimate example of walking in truth with a welcoming heart. And he gives so much joy to the Father. Once we were strangers, but he loved us and welcomed us into the Father's family. And dwelling in his love is what helped us to walk in the truth with welcoming hearts, even in the midst of great opposition and pressure. 
as John puts it in his first letter, 1 John, chapter 4, verse 7, with the two first words of the, of the verse, he says, Beloved, love. There is no special formula to love others. It's not a secret we need to discover. In the same way, we are the Father's beloved. We love others. In the same way, we have been welcomed and received into God's family. We welcome and receive others. So coming back to our opening question, what brings you joy in life? What makes your heart sing? Is it not in those moments when you see that your brothers and sisters are walking the truth with your own hearts? Is it not in those moments when you join in with them? Let's be a church family that gives joy to one another by walking the truth faithfully and prayers and perseverance 